to episode three of Metal Marmite. <laughs> Metal Marmite, if you prefer that to Metal Marmite. It's a bit, it's bit nicer. Right, it? it depends how you like it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yes. I am joined... Uh, I'm sorry, I am Tom, and I'm joined once again by... Richard? Yes. How are you today, Richard? Yeah, it's a bit warm, but uh, but other than that, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. Not the conditions good conditions for metal uh well i don't know is it not are, are metalheads known as cold people are they and they're not they're not hot no they're like cold dark dude <laughs> like a dark cloudy sky <laughs> yeah I don't, I don't know i don't would you not say they're hot-blooded Beck it and see yeah hot fever yeah yes yeah yeah um yeah i think i don't know i don't tend to listen to as much metal in the summer than I do in the winter, I, I feel. Really? Just because, like... I don't know. See, if you ask me, this feels more like rock weather. Like, yeah, stick on some tunes, turn it up loud. Like yeah, exactly. You know, well, which yeah, is yeah, where yeah, most right. metal fans want to be, right? Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. My best friend's the devil! Thing continuous pain. Yeah, yeah, that's what you want, right? Yeah. yeah, that's what all metal fans want. From what I've what I've discovered so far, you know, I don't want light-hearted emotional stuff. I want I want pain and suffering. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And uh, on that note, we're getting to uh, episode three this week, which is um, Iron Maiden, Iron Maiden, Iron Maiden, <laughs> Iron Butterfly. Yes, Iron Maiden. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, well, I've gone with them next because I think, well, Black Sabbath, Judas Priest and I Maiden are probably the two, three biggest metal bands from this period that shaped everything that was to come. So it made sense to go with those three first, really. Um, so prior to this episode, Richard, what was your history with Iron Maiden? Um, I'd heard of them, obviously. They're, they're a very well-known band, obviously very well-known. I know that they have their own private jet. I've seen it a couple of times. What, live? At, yeah, in, at Gatwick Airport, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, it's landed at Gatwick a few times. Yeah, so, uh, yep, I was aware of that, which was pretty cool. Pretty metal. Yeah. Also, not very metal, because it proves that you're making a lot of money, which metal fans don't like you doing. True. Um, this band does make a lot of money. Yeah, they do. Yeah, um, British. I was aware of that as well. Um, and they're one of the, I would say, Killers. pardon? Killers. Yes. Cornerstone. Yes, that's what I always Down knew. Mushroom. They were, yeah, they were one of the maybe three that were like, this is it. No, like I know you're saying like Sabbath and Judas Priest, but like if you talk about like. This isn't probably necessarily metal, but rock. You know, the general overarching theme of rock, you know. They were one of the the three, you know. And and that's uh, Iron Maiden, 
um, Metallica, um, and third one. Sabbath? <laughs> I don't think it was Sabbath. That's the thing. I don't think it was, and it's certainly not yes. Judas Priest. Or just overriding rock, you know. ACDC. ACDC. That's it, yeah. So those were the three that you're like, these are the three. If you want rock, these are the ones you want, you know. So that's pretty much where my knowledge started and ended, really. Although we will find out again, much like last uh, last episode and the episode, uh, not Sabbath so much, because that's very distinctive. But... um. Much like Judas Priest, there's a few songs that I'm like, oh, I knew that, and I didn't know it was them. So yeah, there's one in particular which I think would have known before. Um, we'll get into that a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Going way off topic here. Let's talk about my history of Iron Maiden. So as I mentioned last week, Judas Priest didn't have a lot of videos on TV mm-hmm. back in back in D back in 2001, largely due to the fact that they were having a pretty down period at the time. Rob Halford wasn't seeing for the band um they weren't cool at that point you know pretty dismal album at that point so they just weren't popular with it and with the kids however i used to be with it yeah yes then they changed what it was i made on the other hand um had just got back together with their lead vocalist uh bruce dickinson a couple of years before um at this point so they i think they're very much in the public eye for that, um, for releasing a new album and going on tour again with Bruce Dickinson. I was just say, there's a lot of history in this period of time and bands from this kind of era where they're just swapping the vocalist a lot. Like that wouldn't would that really happen nowadays? I mean, that's not really a thing that like the vocalist is like the guy basically so when the vocalist goes the band's gone there's no band anymore really you know yeah like, it does seem to happen quite a lot i mean particularly with the bands we've yeah. covered so far yeah it really has been chopping and changing yeah like you wouldn't think like like if that had happened to a band that had come out in like the 2000s 2010s something like that once the lead singer goes, that's it. There's basically no band anymore. No one's going to be listening to that band anymore. No one's going to pay any attention to that band. That band's probably going to stop touring. It's probably going to cease to exist, to be honest with you. I mean, I'm trying to think of examples currently. I'd say Kill Switch Engage is probably the biggest example of this. Uh, they started with Jesse Leach, and then they went to Howard Jones, and then they went back to Jesse Leach. No train did it as well. I know we're going completely off of different different sound and everything like that. But it's really weird because the, the two singers sound a lot alike. Like you wouldn't really notice. Like, oh, that's a new singer. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Okay. It's the singer that sang Chops of Jupiter. Is that the one they have now? No, that's a different one. Different. That's the original one. Okay. Now, then, then, then the new one came in. Okay. Um, and like I said, you wouldn't know that it was a new guy unless you actually right. knew. Like, and it was like, wow, it's, they sound really similar. It's on a metalcore podcast. That song is quite. I apologize, uh, but. It's quite cheesy, but I kind of I like, like that song. It. I like, no, I kind train, of like personally. it. It's, it's quite dramatic. Every metalhead out there is now stabbing themselves in the <laughs> ear with a screwdriver, but. This is the thing about music is we don't all have to like the same things. Really got off on a tangent here. Anyway, yeah, sorry. Yeah, so uh, singers, yeah. Uh, yeah, as I was saying, yeah, I made them were pretty much in the public eye at this point. Uh Crank TV just launched. Their videos were always on, Run to the Hills, Can I Play with Madness, Fear of the Dark, Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter. They're all on Krang. 
constant rotation. So you know who I'm mainly with straight off the bat. You know they're a big deal, just like Metallica. Um, so yeah, I liked them from the start. They had that little bit of a stink on them though, from a particular song released by Wheatus called Teenage Dirtbag, which mentioned Iron Maiden. Oh yeah, okay. And Iron Maiden was seen as a uncool band liked by geeks in the song, which will do you not agree? No. Kind of painted this picture of them as an old, crusty, uncool I mean, band. I would say no, because at the end, the really oh. hot girl that he wants yeah, to yeah. bang has two tickets but to Iron Maiden. Wasn't, wasn't it? You're saying that hot girls can't like Iron Maiden? Is that what you're saying? Is that what you're saying, Tom? All women that like no, Iron Maiden are not that. hot. Fact, that. that's what he's saying right now. This has been rubber stamped, Tom approved. <laughs> I said this scenario wasn't plausible what that a hot girl who likes iron maiden could like a geeky guy oh man he's just he's just so everywhere i know what you mean they have that they have the the image of of like oh yeah this is the music my dad used to like kind of yeah, yeah. had that old crusty feel about them at that point but i, I still i still like them sort their songs and stuff i always liked them um, again, and a band I didn't really like, really get until streaming came along, and I could listen to more and more stuff than or And you, you had that Eureka moment, and you're like, "Wow, they're great." Anyway, moving on, I'll go before we start uh, with your thoughts on songs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Go for a brief history of Iron Maiden. All seventy-five pages worth. No, no, we're not going to do that. Okay, uh, so they were formed in Leighton, East London. Mm-hmm. I know, I know that area. Yes. What is yes, in nineteen on Christmas Day, nineteen seventy-five. So there's a Christmas miracle. So obviously with Sabbath and priests, they both go to Birmingham. So we're going a bit down south this time. With were they called Iron Maiden right from the start? No. Okay. Yes, I have written down. Sorry, they need to jump ahead. No, no, no. That's cool that you mentioned that because um, they're originally called Ash Mountain Ooh, which I kind of like as well that sounds pretty like. killer as well yeah, isn't it? Very Ash good Mountain yeah, yeah. Ash, that's a pretty cool name for a band sounds, like, sounds very Lord of the Ringsy though as well like Ash Mountain in the deepest depths of Mordor I'm kind of surprised I haven't heard anyone's come up with that name after the, like. it is pretty baller though I like it yeah. um, they were formed by uh, their bassist and primary songwriter Steve Harris who is still in the band today. He's the main man, the governor. I say it like that because he's a West Ham fan. So it's... Hey, wasn't he also manager of um, uh, Millwall at one point? No, <laughs> that was Neil Harris <laughs> for all your Millwall fans there. Hopefully I haven't got that wrong because they won't come for me. Um, <laughs> yeah, so they, performed, they were formed by uh, Steve Harris in 1975. Again, kind of like Judas Priest had their problems with lineups and stuff. Um... I won't go into it as much detail as I did last week, but they had an original vocalist who Steve Harris thought was trash, really, basically. Mm-hmm. And they didn't release an album until 1980. So that's five years released an album due to lineup changes or whatever else. But I'm assuming that during this period, this five-year period, they're not signed to a label or anything, right? They're, 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 are they just like doing the pub gigs and stuff yeah, like that at this point? Yeah, That, that would become a, a theme later. Um, of their extensive touring and stuff like that. 
Um, so yeah, originally um, they were called Ash Mountain, but they settled along the name Iron Maiden. Uh, you're going to say it's a torture device, but it's not. It's not. It's never been a torture device. There's no such thing called an Iron Maiden. People, it is something that was made up in the Victorian era because it looked cool and it sounded cool. It's never a torture device during the medieval period. It's literally something that Victorians made up because it sounded and looked pretty cool. Little history lesson for you there. Well, there you go. That's why you're on the show. <laughs> yes. Um, I think it featured in the film Man and the Iron Mask. Certainly did, yeah. That's where Steve Harris got it from. So I said the first album came out in 1980 mm-hmm. called Iron Maiden. Self-proclaimed again, yeah. By the band Iron Maiden. This is a theme that all of them have so far, isn't it? Uh, not Judas Priest, no. Did they not have one? No. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm but, um, going to assume yes. they did. So, the first two albums, um, they were recorded with singer Paul Diano, and the first two albums were a success. They you know, sold a lot of records. Uh, the first album got to number four in the UK chart. Oh, wow. Mainly due to them constantly touring all the time, mm-hmm. all around the country. They got, got their name out there. They were yeah. big, so they were already, you know, getting big at this point. Not like massive global success yet, mm. but in the UK, they're already got to start somewhere, right? Yeah, they were already getting big, but they would have their problems with him. Is that he would have alcohol problems, and Steve Harris wanted a singer that would be more theatrical, which we'll get to later on. And with Bruce Dickinson. They would usher in a a movement called the New Wave of British Heavy Metal. Popular term for the metal that was around in the early early eighties. Okay. Um, a lot of metal bands coming in from England, breaking through, and Saxon, Def Leppard, Diamond Head, Motorhead, Venom, bands like that, uh, just breaking through into well, not say the mainstream, but you know. It was a more productive period for metal in that early 80s period than it was in, like, the 70s. For okay. example, you had Black Sabbath yeah, coming yeah. in and then your hard rock bands or whatever, and Priest towards the end of the 70s. Uh, Priests were kind of lumped in with that. Def Leppard be classified as a metal band. Though. Ah. Originally, yes. Oh, okay. Like the first couple of albums. Right, okay. Yeah. I would not, not classify them still, as metal. Yeah, still not like that like massively heavy thing, mate. You know, they're not, you know, not Venom. Yeah. But, um, yeah, they were still, like, a respected uh, band at that time, like, early 80s. Probably when they started getting more successful. This is the trend with a lot of metal bands that get more successful. People start more hate, mainstream. You know, you, you know, you, you know what Def Leppard songs are popular and what are not. You know, and those songs were not liked by the people who got into that band originally in the early right, 80s. Okay. So one thing with Iron Maiden, I always wondered, because they're kind of similar to Judas Priest in a lot of ways in terms of vocal style, operatic, whatever else. Why were they so successful compared to Judas Priest? Like, why do they... I don't know. So they have sold over 200 million albums worldwide, which is quite a lot for a metal band mm-hmm. in particular. So are you asking my opinion, or is this a rhetorical question? This is a rhetorical. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Why were they so successful? Right, so they've had, in total, five UK number one albums and five number two albums. That's pretty... Yeah, that's bad, is it? And I know they had a few uh, top ten singles before I checked and saw actually exactly how many it was if you had to guess 
How many top 10 singles there are in the UK? How many would you... Based off those numbers, I'm going to say 16. Oh, you're only one out. It's Ooh. 15, Ooh. which I was quite shocked at. I was thinking four or five. No, 15 UK top 10 singles. I mean, that's mainstream music yeah. numbers, isn't it? You know? It's really girls going through it. A few of them were re-released singles, right? right? Live singles okay, and stuff like this. It shows kind of the reach of the band you know that the you know getting top 10 singles of re-release singles like them that much they've had uh six number ones in finland finland love their metal though oh they, they do yeah, yeah yeah there's more um bands per person in the country in finland than any other nation metal bands yes yeah. i mean the eurovision entrances are always pretty heavy aren't they so exactly. So yeah, they've sold a lot of singles more than I thought of. And a reason for that, I would say, is probably because they've just always had a great live show. Yeah, live sets, say, I mean, very theatrical. You, I mean, even if you don't know about their music, like I said, the fact that they've got their own jet kind of shows that they've got hustle. You know, they're always touring. They're always getting themselves out there. And and you said that's pretty much how they started, right? They were constantly touring, yeah. building up a fan base and everything like that. It's, their, their live shows were basically seen as must-see a lot in the early 80s. I mean, it's not it's no surprise, really, that they're that popular. If, you, if they're constantly in people's faces and in the zeitgeist, then, you know, yeah. yeah. I mean, like... You know, I want to put them in the same category as Alice Cooper or Kiss. Well, those bands you have to see live, like it's an entertainment. Well, yeah, just, it's a just show. A, yeah, it's a show more than a musical performance. Yeah. Uh, you know, kind of like Slipknot would be later on. One of those bands you have to see live, which is mental, crazy, or whatever else. Um, so I'd say that's one reason why they were pretty successful. Second reason, they've got their own mascot. Yes, he's probably the most famous metal mascot of all time. I, I mean, you don't often hear the phrase metal mascot. <laughs> Those two words don't seem to belong together, yeah. in my opinion. But yeah, like ex- that, that, that spot on mascot of a, you know, a team that has nothing to do with dinosaurs. dinosaurs. But it's just, yeah, but I mean... You're talking about like hardcore, heavy yeah. metal fans. I stab myself to feel the pain because it, it makes me feel alive. Why are they going to want a mascot? That seems too family friendly. You, you say that, but he's not a very family friendly character. He's, right. he's Eddie. Eddie the Eagle. No, that's just what Eddie's called. The guy on the skis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, Eddie has been on every single Iron Maiden album, okay. album cover. Oh, is it the skeleton? The Skellington Man, is yeah, it? Yeah, Right, Scary okay. But I'm sure you've seen going through yeah, your list. Yeah, coming forward with the hands yeah, and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, uh, so Eddie's been, um, like, the live shows, they have someone dressed up as him and going around the stage and, you know, looking all scary and all this and that. At some concerts, they'll have a big, massive 
Eddie hanging from the rafters. Like that scene in Spinal Tap when they put the devil comes down. Or the Simpsons episode. <laughs> we we salute you, our half-inflated dark overlord. Exactly, exactly that, yeah. Right, yeah, I'm okay. guessing that was kind of inspired by Eddie. I'm as well. assuming so. A little so bit. That's the thing, yeah. Um, so he's featured on all album covers by a maiden, whether he's wearing a straight jacket on Peace of Mind, uh, Puppet Master controlling the devil on uh, Number of the Beast, or as a sidewalk on Somewhere in Time, or on the new album, he was dressed as a samurai warrior for the song The Trooper. He was dressed as a red coat. Yeah, with the flag. I've seen that. Yeah. Oh, band. Other metal bands had their own. Mascots, but I think Eddie's probably the most famous one. Uh, to, add, to add to that, so they, yeah, that's what I would say that's another reason why they're popular because they have their own mascot. And, uh, you see him distinctively on every album. I mean, there's a reason that sports teams have mascots. It's because it's very easy to plug the shit out of it, you know, and it's a very recognisable brand image. Which is why it tends to become, yeah. So the more you're telling me, the the more I'm like, okay, this is why they're so popular because they've got a lot of things that people can latch onto. Yes, that yeah, that's kind of I was yeah, kind of I'm like, how come they're so popular compared to what Judas Priest? More often than not, why have they sold so many records? Another reason I think is because they talk about a lot of different subject matters in their, their lyrics, uh, whether it's history, war, mythology. Uh, religion, classic literature, all sorts of things. And we're going to go into that in the songs that we've mm-hmm. listened to. But some of the songs we haven't listened to, for example, Alexander the Great. What's that about? <laughs> yeah. About this guy they met down the pub called Alex. He was really great. <laughs> yeah, uh, they got a song called Ace is High, which is about killing people in flight. Okay. So it's, a, it's a war. Oh, uh, dogfighting kind of thing. Yeah, yeah basically. Yeah, yeah, okay. And uh, live versions of it begin with Winston Churchill's famous by them on the beaches. Speak played at every concert, apparently. Yeah, I've actually made a note about that later on, but we'll get to that, yeah. Uh, they've got a song called The Clansman, which is written about the Highlanders in Scotland. It's not the KKK. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah, I could see why you said that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that would have been lovely and interesting if they've written a song about that. I'm assuming it wouldn't have been pro KKK, but I thought. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's written about the Highlanders um, fighting off the English. And this song was released in, I want to say, I can't remember the exact year. I want to say 97 or 98, something like that. So it's fresh off Braveheart. I don't, yeah, I don't know if yeah, it's written of that end. Yeah, slightly. Yeah. Uh, they've got a song called Passchendaele, which is about uh, a battle in the First World War. Mm-hmm. And also Montségur, which is uh, the seizing of the castle in 1244. I haven't written down the battle, though, for some reason. <laughs> uh, they've got a- the Battle of Montségur. Montségur? Yeah, it's a, it's a hundred years war battle, basically. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's fine. Uh, they've got a song called Quest for Fire, which is about cavemen fighting for fire whilst fighting dinosaurs so there's, there's just songs about that. those are just the songs about history I've written down that totally never happened but that's cool <laughs> uh, they've got songs from you know written about movies like Phantom of the Opera and Where Eagles Dare about werewolves I'm guessing they Where Equals Dare Where Eagles Dare oh Where Eagles Dare I thought you said Where Equals Dare I was like that's <laughs> about werewolves then yeah the songs written about movies right. yeah uh, poetry, like the rhyme of the ancient mariner, based on a, ni- a 1797 poem. 
14 minutes long. Got like a 12 minute guitar solo, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, songs about Greek mythology, like Fight of Icarus. Songs about fencing. Yeah. Like building a fence. <laughs> I put the stakes in the ground! It's a bit metal, isn't it? Yeah. Put up your own fence. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, you, the other sort of fencing. Yeah. Flash of the Blade. Uh, you die as you live with the Flash of the Blade. Uh, songs, I was going to say, songs about TV, which we'll get to a little later on. Uh, songs about religion, like Revelations and Holy Smoke. And even songs about Robin Williams, uh, Tears for a Clown. Oh, which right, was written okay. about Robin Williams. So uh, that's a very recent, recent one. one. That yeah. came out uh, 20 after Robin Williams had uh, committed suicide. Quite sad song exploring, you know, this very funny individual who, you know, clearly was suffering. Indeed. So those are some of the reasons why I think they're as successful as they would uh, become. Um, so as I said, they released their first album in 1980 called Iron Maiden, and uh, 1981 was Killers. Uh, so those two albums were Paul Diano, and then they would boot him out and bring in Bruce Dickinson from the band Samson. But someone from an antiques roadshow kind of... Ah. I don't know. Well, you know what? I was going to say this for later, but I'll do it now. So Bruce Dickinson came in as a replacement for um, piano in 1981. But his replacement, when he left the band in 93, would be a man by the name of Blaze Bailey. Oh, there you go. Now, that's a, that's a rocker's name, isn't it? Blaze. Yeah. They got blazers and tasers and all kinds of blazers. <laughs> so, um... On to 1982, and they will release their first album with Bruce Dickinson called The Number of the Beast. The Number of the Beast. So this is their first album with Bruce Dickinson, and probably their most famous album. I'm not going to say best, but some people do say it's their best. It's probably regarded by the general public as their best. Mm -hmm. But um, down to opinion, isn't it, at the end of the day? But I would say this is probably the most famous album of the lot. And I'm going to get your thoughts on the songs now from this album. Uh, so we're going to start with, and there's a lot to pack, unpack. I've got more to unpack here in terms of lyrics than I have for the music itself. It seems every song is written about something. Yeah, um, that is definitely something I noticed yeah, I don't as well. Song on, here. on here that doesn't have a theme to it. That's not just about, Very oh, I love you, girl. Rich, yeah, like every song, there's a message to it. Uh, so we'll start with the first song, which is called uh, Invaders. Invaders. Uh, what did you think of this first track? Of right. Well, before we get into all of this, I'm going to put in a brief caveat. Ooh. Now, everything, everything that you have mentioned so far suggests I will love this band. Popular, grinding, working hard. They have a mascot. They're 
uh, their songs are very message rich they talk about like history and things like that everything suggests i should like this band however i have a feeling i'm going to really piss you off this episode this is going to be the episode where i really disappoint you i think okay but- we'll get into that later yeah. But we'll start about Invaders. Um, I put down is pretty fast. Yes. Um, and fierce. Uh, it kind of comes out of the traps. It the does not hold back straight away. It goes into it. Um, and it's got that very 80s sound again. The, I, I don't know what it is, but it's very... The, there's, a, there's a certain sound that I just hear and I think 80s. Well, I've written down here, um, it's a fast start. Mm, yeah <laughs> and it has a riff to it called i've written down the galloping riff which would be called become i main's trademark right sounds like you're galloping along on a horse or something like that okay. that's, kind of, that's kind of what it's been called okay i can i can i can hear that yeah yeah the the, the speed was just it just went for it straight away oh, yeah. Like instantaneously, I was like, "Whoa, okay!" Like there wasn't a build-up or anything. Well, you know, this is the era before Spotify and um, Apple Music and streaming platforms. You released an album, you've got to get the hook them. Got to hook them yeah. straight yeah. away. You put your, your strongest song on the right at the start, mm-hmm. or you put your heavy one. This is why I talk about the mid-album lull. Quite a lot, cause and 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 this was on like albums from like when I was buying albums in the nineties, two thousands, and stuff like that as well. You'd have it would be all up front, then you'd have the big lull in the middle where they put all their tosh or their filler basically, and then it kind of finishes a little bit on the strong note again, and it it will tend to leave you with either a bonus track at the end of the album or something to so you're like oh the bonus track or or it would leave you with another big hit. This would become a problem with the advent of CDs as well. Mm-hmm. Bands having to feel they have to fill the whole time up on a CD mm-hmm. rather than just putting their strongest songs onto set or whatever, or vinyl, you know, in that amount of time. Uh, what do you think the song's about? Um, I'm guessing it's something to do with people invading. <laughs> That's a good assumption, Richard, yeah. I couldn't figure out where they were invading and whom was invading, yeah, though. At the Viking invasion. I kind of thought that, but then I thought, is it? Are they going to go for that? Considering that you have um, the the foreigners as well, uh, the foreigner by um, help me out here. Ah, that sounded very uh, immigrant song by Led Zeppelin. Immigrant song, thank you. Not foreigners, immigrant song. Yeah, <laughs> immigrant song by Led Zeppelin. yeah, which is always also about the Vikings. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, is everyone singing about the Vikings? Or but yeah. <laughs> what did you think of the song? Yeah, and all I had down here was just, it just it just wouldn't let up. It was relentless. It just it was so fast and really fierce, and I don't think it lulled at any point. It was just the guy's fingers on the guitar must have been bleeding after this. It was like yeah, it just yeah. It, I just have it was just relentless. It just didn't stop. Uh, but the guy's vocals. I mean, obviously, this is something he's it, theatrical is a great word. He it's. It's his vocals seem to be a show in and of themselves. I mean, the way he says "invaders" yeah. alone is just hooks yeah. you. It's it's yeah. Invaders, and what become a theme throughout this album? Uh, he talks about raping and pillaging, or raping and plundering, as it is in this particular yeah um, um, song. 
I mean, this was quite a common thing during wars in the past, and unfortunately now at days as well, which it shouldn't be, but... But, uh, yeah, so you, did you like this opening? Yeah, I did, actually. This was one of the ones I was quite impressed with. I was I was like, yeah, that that went out of the blocks, and it didn't... It was Usain Bolt-esque. It went boom, and then it was gone, you know? like I will say... I like the song a lot. Um, I will say, I reckon there's two songs on this album which are perfect. Perfect? This oh, is not one of them, though. Okay. That's a bold word to use, though. Perfect. <laughs> I was listening to, again to this album. And, uh, yeah, I don't think this album is my favourite, but um, I don't know. It, it hooked me a lot more than it did in previous listens. And I think the other two songs that I think I love so much, I think they're perfect. But we'll get to those. Okay. Um, yeah, so I think, yeah, it's a good way to start an album. It's fast, it's heavy, it get, gets you going straight away. You know, there's no let up. You know, this is what you had to do back in the day if yeah. you're a band that played this solid music. However, we'll move on to track two, which is not quite as heavy. Children of the Damned. I, I, I've put here a, very, uh, a word that you used, dirgy. It's a very dirgy. I'm not sure I would have put this as a second song on the album. I probably would have put something a little bit more upbeat and fast. And then I've actually put, it gets very thrashy, though. Yeah, I, I said, I actually wrote down here, I like the change up. I like the fact that it kind of went from this into this. It's a bit subverting of expectations it was kind of like this is what it's going to be but no we're going to fuck you up kind of thing you know what's weird I I have never been a fan of this song mm-hmm. until I listened it for uh, again for this podcast okay. and it just clicked for some reason I don't know why no idea why but yeah it starts off pretty slow um, and then you know goes up into the very galloping riff as I said before and gets very Frashy as the song gets on later on. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think this song's about? Uh, I'm assuming it's got something to do with like Children of the Damned. <laughs> I don't, I don't know specifically. I'm trying to think what would be going on in the world at that point. Maybe it's a mythological one. No, it's exactly no, what you said before. It's something it's about it's based happening. on the 1963 film. Right. Oh, it's the, the film. Okay. Children of the right. Damned. Okay, about okay. six children with psychic abilities. Who are forced to battle for their survival. Yeah, so we're, t- we're tackling dark topics here. Okay. Into song two. As I said, I never was a fan of this song much, but it just kind of clicked with me this time around. I'm not sure why. You like the song? Um, Overall, no. I liked yeah. the change up. Yeah. I liked I liked the, the difference between the, the two sounds. The juxtaposition worked quite well for me. But overall, no. Okay. Well, we'll go on to uh, song three then. And I want some information, Richard, about what you thought about this song. Some information. I have no information. It left no impression whatsoever, which sometimes is the worst kind of insult, really, when it comes to music. You know, you can lo- you can not like a song, but you've obviously paid attention enough to know that you don't like it. But then when a song comes on that you don't even really even register has come and gone. So we're talking about The Prisoner. You are number six. I am not a number. I am a free man. 
Um, it starts with a sample from the Prisoner TV show. Right. Okay, yeah. yeah. I didn't write that down for this, but I did write it down later on uh, for, for other songs. But okay, yeah. I, I, I did realise quite a few of the songs on this have a bit of an opening intro yeah. thing. Yeah. I am not number one. Oh, I'm not a number. I am a free man. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're a number six. Yeah. Number by a free man. <laughs> and then we get into the the song with the, number one. Yeah. Number two. Yeah. yeah. We get into the uh, big riff at the start, and uh, Bruce Dickinson launching into chorus. And I'm not a prisoner. I'm a free man, and my blood is my own. Very theatrical chorus here. Right, I did actually have something written for this. I thought that there was a song called Information <laughs> that oh, was in there. Yeah, because you put such an emphasis on the word information. I was like, there must have been a song called Information that I just didn't write anything down for. No, no I have something written down for The Prisoner, yes. What I put here was, is there a message here, I wonder? Hmm. It's about breaking free from your life from the and shackles, and shackles of, yeah. of society and this, things like the, that. Well, yeah. The second line of the chorus is, I don't care what where the past was, I know where I'm going out. Yeah, it's to break free. And, Who's he going out, out? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's going out to, to pub. Oh, so he's just going out. He's out to Mocha. He's not going out, out. <laughs> but he's going to go out, out from the pub, though. That's the thing. Yeah. You've got to be dressed, ready, prepared. So, yeah, but, uh, the song... Uh, <laughs> um, so, this song didn't make much of an impression on you? Uh, no, I had the, I put down the, um, is there a message here, I wonder. Hmm. It, it's not subtle. Uh, I felt, I mean, like it wasn't, I wasn't digging, I wasn't digging for meaning. If that's like, like, mm, what does he mean by this? It it felt very clear. Like this is a, you know, society kind of thing. I'm going to be who I want to be. You know, I'm, I'm sick of tired of being kept prisoner by you, by the man and stuff like that. I'm going to, I'm going to be my, I'm going to be my own man. I'm going to be who I want to be kind of thing. Yeah. It wasn't subtle. <laughs> like, no, it's not subtle. I, I don't really find that they struggle with subtlety, to be honest with you. Indicator of what this band is about in terms of theatrical chorus the actual song everything really um and it is one of the two songs that i think is perfect Ooh. totally disagree but okay yeah no i i i would say it doesn't even come into the region of being good let alone perfect finding something more about you here yeah that, that's cool uh again but this is your first listen right I think this is definitely where the Marmite... We go, that's the name of the show, there you yeah, go. Like, It'd be you boring know. if you just agree with everything I said. Yeah, true, but yeah, this is what I'm saying. I honestly think this is going to be the first episode, and, and it's becoming even more clearer to me, where I'm going to disappoint you quite a lot. Okay, with, with that said, we're going to move on to the next song. No, 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 I want to know, why do you think it's perfect? I, I, don't, I can't find a flaw with the song anywhere terms of the opening narration, the guitar riffs, the vocals, uh, the theatricality of the song. Right. But I don't see a flaw anywhere. So you don't you don't think like the lack of subtlety 
is a bit of a flaw. But if it's a flaw for you, then yeah, I mean, it was. It was. It was a fairly big flaw for me. Um, that yeah, it just wasn't subtle at all. It's basically me just screaming in your face, like you know, stop, stop smoking cigarettes or something. I don't know. Yeah. That being said, it hasn't become a song that's been played. Like, um, I've never heard this song before. Not become a song that's been played um, regularly live. So. I think it's perfect but there you go anyway on to the next song which I think we're going to have a lot of fun with this one maybe I'm wrong especially with the themes you're already laughing straight away I can yeah this song goes kind of a different path from my maiden that you probably wouldn't expect 22k Avenue. oh no have you not got this would be one of the songs that just didn't even with me at all yeah right so before I get your opinion on the song since it didn't register with you at all have, what yeah. is the song about um a 22 Acacia Avenue <laughs> I'm assuming like maybe a film or something like that like a I don't know it sounds like the title of a film oh the film's like a title of a film yeah or it was like the scene of a horrific mass murder or something like that I've got written down here what's the song about Richard and then my next antidote is read the lyrics. So, if you're feeling down, depressed, and lonely, I know a place where we can go. 22 Acacia Avenue. Meet a lady that I know. So, if you're looking for a good time and you're prepared to pay the price, 15 quid is all she asks for. Deep. Everybody gets their vice. Okay, I get it now. I get it. It's about McDonald's, isn't it? <laughs> it's a it's a brass house. I'm assuming 22 Acacia Avenue is a a house of disrepute, a a a, a maison derrière, if you will. Uh, as we go further down into the lyrics, we've got the lyrics: beat her, mistreat her, do anything that you please, bite her, excite her, make her get down on her knees abuse her misuser and take all that you've got caress her molest her she always does what you want <laughs> uh not subtle here yeah this is something that they don't struggle with is subtlety <laughs> it's not really a song i expect from iron maiden um about prostitution i'm guessing maybe they're talking from life experience i mean the song is about the east end uh, a street yeah. in the East End, so I'm guessing uh, probably something that Steve Harris would have known about. Um, it is based on a real-life person called uh, Cynthia Payne. That name rings a bell. Uh, so from the late 70s and the early 80s, she ran her own place of disrepute, basically. Okay. Um, yeah, and she was very protected by... Certain higher ups, individuals. Does the their names rhyme with Ray's? Ray's. Yeah. No. 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 Oh, okay. It was rumored that uh, VIPs like judges, MPs, and policemen oh, okay. were uh, frequent visitors. Uh, she got punters to pay for the services with luncheon vouchers, so they they never provided sex for money. So they trade the money in for the they trade the money yeah. in for the vouchers and then take the voucher. Yeah. No, there's no trail. Yeah, yeah, okay. pretty much. Yeah, so it's it's based on 
or map the news or something because that name rings a bell yeah or there must have been like a documentary or something about it that i've seen or the maison, maison derriere yeah <laughs> yeah there must have been something rings a bell with me because that name just yeah rang, rang a bell as soon as you read it so yeah anyway sorry carry on off top yeah i'm assuming she was a well-known lady at that point yeah, something must have come out somewhere uh, yeah. yeah but since they wrote a song about it is there a 22 acacia avenue does it exist um well people have tried visiting apparently there is no 22 acacia avenue right now okay uh supposedly because is there uh, even an acacia yes there is okay. there's and obviously this place was not called 22 Acacia Avenue. It's just a particular address. Yeah. But they had to get rid of the number from the, the road. That's the power of Iron Maiden for you. So it goes straight from 21 to 23? Yes, apparently. Okay. Um, as for the song itself, it says you didn't make much of an impression on you. No, which is strange because those lyrics are pretty risque. But yeah, yeah I have nothing written down. Uh, yeah, I think it's a good song. I don't think it's a great one. I think it's mainly about the lyrics for this one. Controversial lyrics, as you would uh, expect from a band that has the devil on the front cover. Mm-hmm. That's another reason I forgot to mention as to why they were so successful. Controversial. Yeah, controversy breeds um, publicity, doesn't it? So. Yeah. I mean, they've, the song, the album is called Number of the Beast. They've got, you know, the devils on the cover and they're controlling, the Eddie's controlling the devil. And people back in those days would see some of that, oh, they're in league with the Satan, you know. Play the song backwards and it's going to tell our yeah, kids to murder exactly. people, That's yeah. It's like what it was in the late, uh, in the early 80s who hadn't heard this kind of music before. The satanic craze in the, in America. Yeah, they would think, oh, what is my child listening to here, you know? It's a perfect segue to song five, <laughs> The Number of the Beast. What is this song about, Richard? Um, well, first of all, this is why I put... Um, this is when I put... They like their intros. So this this has obviously got an intro to the beginning of it as well, obviously, yeah. This has got an intro to it at the beginning of it as well, yeah, like many of the songs do, so... Um, what do I think the song is about? I don't know. I didn't, I didn't really write that down. I just wrote what I thought about the song. Um, I mean, it's obviously about the number 666. Uh, maybe, like, I'm thinking, like, The Omen? Yes. Yeah? Okay. Bang on. Yep. It's, um... The song was inspired by a nightmare Steve Harris had about Omen 2. Okay. Or, to give it his full title, Damien. Okay. Omen 2. Oh, uh, don't you mean Damien, uh, uh, um, uh, colon? Uh, yeah, possibly colon, <laughs> Omen 2, whatever. Yeah, pedantic about it. Yeah, so it's inspired by a nightmare Steve Harris about, about that film. The intro is basically a line ripped from the first film, right. but um, it was re-recorded um, by somebody else, which I haven't written down. Oh, I don't know him. Not the not the original line from the film. They just got someone else to read to it. Read it. Yeah. Uh, they did want Vincent Price originally. That would have been. A good grab, but yeah. uh, apparently too expensive. I can see that big yeah. film star, wasn't he? And 
I mean, went in the 60s or whatever. Baxton could afford him. Maybe that's why he, they couldn't, because he was busy doing Thriller. Hold on, was that the same year as well, 82? That was early 80s, maybe 83? Yeah, 1982, same year. Oh, that's why they couldn't... So they were preoccupied, he's preoccupied with Michael Jackson. I'm already... I'm already... Yes, <laughs> yes. Well, Michael Jackson can afford me. I don't think you can. Yes. I'm very, very pricey. <laughs> Oh, hey, did no pun intended. <laughs> so this song will reach number three in the UK okay. in 1990 and in 2005. Hold on, hold on, yeah, 1983. So they re-released the song twice. Wow. But it, yeah, which is bizarre, really. Shows the reach this band have. Yeah. As I said, this song caused a lot of controversy when it was released. Uh, by religious types, obviously getting upset about it. People burned the band CDs because it's called Number of the Beast. There's a song on it called Number of the Beast. The opening show is from the Omen, but it's based on a line from the Book of Revelations. Um, so it is a Bible line. What did you think of the song? Um, yeah, it was all right. I've, I've, I've got it, it, you know, sick guitar lick to start. Yeah, there's a pretty, that's a pretty sick guitar lick I have written down that I really like. So, yeah. Um, I hadn't heard this song before, surprisingly. Um, so this isn't one of the songs that I've, uh, like, oh, yeah, I know. I know I know that song, but I didn't know it was Iron Maiden. I've never heard this song before, which is surprising, considering you said it's been re-released twice. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, it was okay. Uh, I didn't love it. But I did enjoy the little the the guitar licks in it. I thought that was great guitar work in it. I thought I was really impressed with the guitar work, and his voice is very, yeah, like you said, theatrical. So he kind of paints the picture for you, but wasn't enthralled by the song. So yeah, I don't know if that makes me sacrilegious or not. I'm not sure. Uh, but yeah, uh, apart from the guitars. Um, nothing else particularly impressed me that much. Okay, so yeah, this is one of the biggest hits they've had. Um, it gets played pretty much at every live show they do. It's one of the big ones, and it's the second of the perfect songs for me on this album. Uh, can't find a fault with it anywhere, even though I've heard this song God knows how many times, and I probably should be sick of it by now. But not, it's great. Um, perfect, great intro, great guitar, great vocals, everything's on point, even though I've listened to it. I kind of put it in the category of Ace of Spades, where I probably should be sick of it by now, but mm-hmm. the thing's great. That's just my opinion. Okay. On to uh, track six. From one big hit to another, uh, Run to the Hills. Which was the first single released from this album. Okay. Odd decision, but... Yeah, do you think that was a good decision? Seems very strange. Seems yeah, like an odd most... one to release. I don't what know. What would you have released first? Uh, probably would have gone for, like, Number of the, Di- Number of the Beast or... 
maybe Invaders. I probably would have gone for Invaders, to be honest. Yeah, I don't know if I would have released this one. This one's very... I mean, if you're trying to break America, it's a fantastic song to release, I think, isn't it? <laughs> it seems the most... Structurally normal song. I don't know, that's a weird way to say it. In terms of... I don't think the riff to start with is that heavy. I don't think it's that heavy at all. This whole song isn't very heavy. But it's 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 heavy with uh, with the with the message though. It's weird that I say the song is probably the most poppy on the album, considering what some of the lyrics are. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I'd describe it as poppy either. Uh, yeah, so this is the biggest selling single in the UK. Over two hundred thousand copies sold. Huh. Okay. Um, we'll get into my opinions on the song a little bit later. Um, what do you think the song is about, Richard? Um, I think it's about um, a, a dad who's really trying to reconnect with his child and he's bought him a puppy uh, for, his, for, his, for his birthday and the puppy's run away to the hills. And No, it's not. It's about the slaughter of Native Americans. <laughs> it's, it, subtlety is not something that this band struggles with at all. There is like no depth to their message whatsoever. It is basically like being smashed in the face with a frying pan. You didn't know 22 Occasion Avenue was about prostitution. That's because I didn't even pay attention to the song, you know. But, you know, you read those lyrics, and I, you know, then I would have been like, oh, yeah, that's definitely about a whorehouse. Um, yeah, no, this is obviously about the slaughter of Native Americans and Native Americans trying to fight back. Um yeah so now is it the slaughter of native americans by settlers or is it the slaughter of native americans by the americans because those are two very different things it's good that you mentioned that because okay. it's about both right okay. okay by the europeans and the americans okay yes it's about both um so yeah Rapey song. Mm hmm. Yeah. About. <laughs> rape. <laughs> it's very rapey. It's very rapey. Yeah. That's a great. That's a bit of genre of music. <laughs> Shit it, Richard. Is that yes. what you, you're saying yeah. right now on this yeah, podcast? Absolutely. What genre is this? Oh, it's, it's rape. <laughs> it's rapey genre. Yeah, no, that is a, that is spot on uh, description. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of rape and pillaging and burning and yeah. massacre. Yeah, so one line says, raping the women and wasting the men, enslaving the young and destroying the old. That's yep. probably the most um, notable line from this song. Like I said, frying pan. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I imagined... Uh, there were certain types that didn't like this kind of lyrics in their songs as well. Lyrics didn't really bother me. I mean, maybe they should, but they didn't really bother me. I, it was it was just the lack of subtlety. I was, I was just like, you know, I'm not a stupid person. I can get I can get the hinting of something. You know, it's like you don't have to tell me straight off. These people were murdered. <laughs> that being said, what did you think of the song? Uh, I didn't like it. No, it was uh, it, it it was odd. It's it's hard to classify. It's hard to describe. Rapey is probably the best description that I could have come up with for it. It had no subtlety whatsoever. 
it yeah it was it I, i'm gonna say right now there is no mid album lull because it this is just weird it's 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 odd i don't know how to classify it it it, it <sighs> You know, it could be one of those songs that if you listen to it like 20 times, you're like, this song is great. But I'm not going to want to listen to it 20 times because the first time was so jarring and so... It, it didn't make me feel uncomfortable. It, like The subject matter, I didn't really like, oh, God, this is too much for me. Oh, oh, no. It wasn't that. It was just, what is this? How would... I mean, how would you classify this song? It is not metal. It is not rock. It's not pop it's weird i don't know how to it's kind of campy i feel i don't know why i'd say that yeah it's very difficult to classify and yeah i found it jarring just because i was just like what is this it's not metal it's not pop you know, it's not something that your mum would listen to. It's not something that I think a lot of metal fans would enjoy. So who's this for? I don't know who this is for. I mean, as I said, it's the biggest thing. Which is weird. I don't get that. How can that? I don't understand. How can that? Is it because the British people love hearing about the slaughter of native populations? I don't know. Maybe it's deep in our veins that we like murdering minorities. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, as I said, it's the biggest selling single in the UK. Um, it's played at pretty much every live show they do. It's probably the biggest hit um, that I saw them play live and I was like, I could have done without this, to be honest. I'm not a massive fan of it. Will I say this song's terrible? No. Um, I'd say it's bang average. I wouldn't say it was average, not by any stretch of the imagination. It's no, not... It's No, I'm not... That I don't think... It, it defies classification. This is why I'm telling you. It's one of those songs that is just like, what the hell? Like, the, the best thing I can compare it to, which is so weird, is Gaber by Electric Six. It's, it's, what is it, you know? And then it's one of those songs that you're just like, this is fucking awful. Or you listen to it like 20 times and you're like, this is the greatest song that has ever been written in the history of songs. But, you know, you know, you don't, no, but you know what I mean? It's one of those, when it comes on, you're, you're either like, what the fuck is this? Or you're like, oh, I love this song. You know, it's, 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 I don't hate it. I don't love it. I don't find it average. I don't know what it is. It's odd, and I can't classify it, and it's jarring. Yeah, I, I don't know. I would not call it average. No way. It's not a song that you listen to it, and it would just, you know, in the background at a restaurant or something, and you just hear it, and you're like, oh, yeah, I like this song. You know. Any positives about this song, which Everything I've said could be a positive. It could also be a negative. It's weird. It's just, I found this very odd, this song. I do like it towards them when the guitar picks up a little bit and it goes, oh, oh, that's it, oh. Uh. <laughs> that bit I kind of like. 
The rest of the song, I think, is kind of average. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of people who like this. It's one of their big hits. It's average. Like, like I said. Hey, Nick, should we move on? Uh, yeah, I mean, if you want to, but I could talk for hours about this song, honestly. It's just, yeah, because it's just so odd. It's just... And and like I said, the lack of subtlety and, 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 and everything. And I don't know why the British people love it so much. I honestly think there's something in our DNA that likes to kill native populations, obviously. That's something we obviously like to do, which is why we were very good at it. <laughs> Although, this is a bit of a misconception with regards to uh, killing of Native Americans by Europeans. Um, the Spanish did it a lot, obviously, yes. They were very, very good at it. Uh, the Portuguese, to a lesser extent. The British never really wanted to exterminate the native populations we were quite happy to just say live and let live look you live over there we live over here we trade we make money everything good for everyone now that's not to say the british were nice people i'm not trying to say that but what i'm saying is that we were always more interested about like trade and money than like the grabbing of land um, and the killing of populations but yeah anyway sorry tangent history um i can't help it man i'm a history buff so to be fair i've written down europeans and americans i have not yeah. written down british yeah but that's what you would assume yeah yeah, yeah. so moving on to song seven it's called gangland What do you think this song's about? Uh, Los Angeles. <laughs> that, I, I, I don't know. Um, I mean, the song title alone shouldn't, shouldn't give you... Well, should probably give it away, probably. Yeah. Um, obviously, like, about gangland violence, I'm assuming. Uh, whether it's London gangland violence or if it's... America. I mean, LA gangs didn't really come a thing till the 90s, so I'm assuming this has got to do with like the 70s London gangland violence. Yeah, the probably. And things like that. Yeah, it's about escaping gangster lifestyle, mm-hmm. going out on your own, kind of like the prisoner breaking through, breaking away from the chains. Um, I would say that there's a really good drum solo at the start of this song. I would say that con- through the years, this song is probably considered the weakest track on this album. Okay. Um, well, I listened to it again. I kind of liked it. I don't know why. It's probably because it's more... It's got, again, like Invaders, it's kind of sharp, short, short to the point. I don't think it's as good as Invaders, but... Um, well, for a title that's so bold, you know, gangland, uh, yeah, this, this is what I've written for word for word. So... This is where I started to feel they were a bit samey. And from here on out, a lot of the songs tend to sound very similar. And it all started to become a bit of white noise for me. And I got a bit drowned out by it all because it all sounded pretty much the same. You know, and and you said that you said that they um, pioneered the galloping i think they went to that well a lot 
And a lot of the songs have that kind of sound. And it's just like, okay, okay, yeah. Okay, you got anything else? No, okay, more of the same. Oh, okay. And then you're going to smack me in the face with blatant lyrics as well. So not only is it... But it's like, this is a cat. They walk on four legs. And it's like, okay, yes. So no subtlety. And just this over and over. So yeah, I got very bored by this point, man. I'm not gonna lie. And from here on out, it starts getting a little bit. Yeah, I think the is one of the distinctive Iron Maiden sound. Like a lot of bands have their distinctive. I get that you have a distinctive sound, but you know it doesn't mean you have to do it on every fucking song. Yeah, I mean ACDC basically the same riff, don't they? I mean, I I don't know, man. I mean. You listen to um, Highway to Hell, and then you listen to uh, It's a Long Way to the Top, if you want to rock and roll. Those do not sound anything alike. I disagree with that completely. Like, I could listen to all the ACDC songs, and I think that they're great. Don't get me wrong, I've never listened to, like, all of the album stuff. So maybe there are album things in the middle where I'm like, this is a bit tosh, isn't it? But, yeah, I mean, this, this, this this is where the the podcast is going to go downhill fast for me. And I think this is where I've lost you now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we've only got one more song left on this album. Mm-hmm. And it's another one of the stables, staples, stables, staples, staples mm-hmm. of Iron Maiden and their live set. Mm-hmm. Hello be thy name. Isn't it? No, no. you're just singing about the devil. I mean, it's Why, really... wasn't it? The Lord's Prayer. Um, so, Hallowed Be Thy Name, we end with a song that's like eight minutes long here to end the uh, to end the album. Concerts opens with a bell bowling, yeah. like doom. We hear on other songs like Hell's Bells by ACDC or Who yeah. um, the Bell Tolls by Metallica. Again, I don't think this is a song that's very subtle, as you've put it. It's pretty easy to decipher what the song's about. They do not struggle with subtlety, like I've said. It's no. it's it's it smash you in the face kind of lyrics, you know. So that being said, Richard, what is the song about? I honestly did not care at this point. I I was I was waiting for the the, <laughs> the pretty much yeah. I I'd honestly checked out by this point, and I was just. I was looking how many more songs I had to listen to um, and trying to work out how much more I could take and if I needed to do a second sitting or if I could power through and that. Yeah, I honestly could not care less at this point. The only thing I have written down here is why is this song so long? And also, there is... (laughs) It made me think of some 41. (laughs) Because... They have a song at the beginning of their second album that has the the bell tolling noise in the background. It's basically like a a sermon by like this guy of like, you know, um, uh, yeah, and it says something like to aid the womb in giving birth 
a group that will appear and guide you through this final year. The Dark Armies then will come when the sum is 41. It's basically like a prophecy, um, end of the world, Armageddon kind of thing. And it just reminded me of that, to be honest with you. I was just like, yeah, I could, okay, yeah, I've got so- that. I've never heard this song in my life, but what do you reckon it was inspired by? I mean, it's obviously, <laughs> Hallowed Be Thy Name is, a, is the Lord's Prayer. Um, but I'm, I don't know. It's either, I mean, I, I, maybe I'm overthinking this and it's obviously, they're not very subtle. So it's obviously something to do with religion. Um, but something inside me makes me want to say it's like a book or a, or like a poem or something like that. Reminiscing about his, his, his life and stuff that he's done. Yeah. Very dramatic song. Goes on for eight minutes. Yeah. I like the fact you said you don't like it goes on for. Like you would not like their newest albums, the last no. the albums that they put out. Well, probably since Bruce returned in two thousand, so many long songs on them. Oh right, yeah. The last uh, album called Sinjitsu I didn't like at all. It was just so long and so boring. So yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't mind a long song, but it's just when it drones on and on and on. You just like, like we've had this discussion before, you know, about like. um uh, Purple Rain is a great song, but it could do. It doesn't need the for like for like twenty minutes at the end. It doesn't need that, man. Come on, but yeah. Anyway, um, anyway, yeah. So it's a, it goes on for a while. This song, doesn't it? Yeah. Mostly guitar solos. Nice big vocal by Bruce at the end. You know, pretty good guitar work. Problem is, yeah, I just stopped caring by this point. I'm really sorry, man. Uh, and I know this is probably eating you up inside and everyone hates me now on who's listening. But I just, yeah, I just, I couldn't, I'd given up caring by this point. I just, I was honestly com- contemplating, I'm going to turn this off, go back to just listening to my poppy shit and then come back to it again tomorrow. But I was like, nope, you're already behind. Power through, man, power through. I am very interested to see what your opinion on the rest of the songs I have given you are in that case. Oh, God. <laughs> The first song I gave you. So, if anyone doesn't know, I I gave Richard one album to listen to, and then I've narrowed it down to six songs for now. I think that it will change a little bit as we go along. Uh, you might get less, you might get more. The next week's show. Be kind to me for next week. Well, yeah, I'm giving you more stuff to do for next week. But you know, um, a punishment. A I don't think it will be. No, are you punishing me? No, like, uh, no, I had this plan before, so I don't think next week's. I don't think the next one will be punishment for you. I think you will enjoy this more than this one. Anyway, on to the song Iron Maiden mm-hmm. by the band Iron Maiden on the album Iron Maiden. Now, you notice the vocals are a little bit different, right, on this one? No. No? No. I'm assuming that there's a different singer. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even notice. Yeah. <laughs> Deano's singing on this one, and uh, he's got a bit of a different voice to Bruce Dickinson. Okay, well, then, there you go. That just proves that I'd kind of checked out by this point. Uh, at this point in time, I'm actually just trying to make jokes to entertain myself, to be honest with you. I've got it written here. Heavy drums to start. Uh, this is a live favourite. Again, gets played pretty much every show. Usually the encore. Okay. Um, because it's called Iron Maiden. And the song's about Iron Maiden coming to get you, no matter how far. Um, it's a very punky sound to this song. 
which um, would be a theme of the first two albums, a little bit more punky, even though Steve Harris said he hated punk music. I was going to say, had we gone into punk music by this point? When's when when was what? the big punk explosion? Was late seventies. Oh, like was that? Okay. I thought it was eighties. I just I was punk. So like the big punk explosion was uh, seventy six. Uh, Ramones bought her the first album, and then in seventy seven, you had Sex Pistols, The Clash, out know, their albums, and yeah, it became a massive thing for like a few years in the late seventies, and then um, basic. I won't go into the whole history of punk, even though I want to at this point. But yeah, they said they didn't like punk music. Um, Steve Harris was more into like the proggy stuff from the 70s like uh, Yes and Jeffro Toll and also the like heavier um, Black Sabbath Deep Purple UFO sort of stuff from the 70s Led Zeppelin every rock band's into Led Zeppelin at this point quick question who they find inspiration in the Beatles because so far everyone has loved the Beatles. I haven't written anything down about the Beatles, so I'm not entirely sure. Could this be our first uninspired by the <laughs> Beatles band? Possibly. Maybe that's know. why I don't like them that much. Yeah, I don't think it was like a big inspiration. I liked them. One, I, don't, I don't think it was one of the big like inspirations that uh, wanted them to start the band. I don't know. Um, as I said, the album reached number four in the UK. This is the first album, mainly due to touring and whatever else. Um, so yeah, I'm guessing you didn't like this song much. Uh, well, I've put down here um, a song about torture. Mm. That's rare. Um, it's right up there with Smack That by Akon. <laughs> yeah, totally in the same lane, isn't it? Yeah. Another song about torture. Yes. Wants to smack her till she's raw. Really yeah. yeah, yeah. He took the heavy, like, yeah. <laughs> But I said, man, by this point, I just, I was just trying to entertain myself as best as I could. It's, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's more of the same for me, man. It, they, it, it just sounds so samey by this point. Everything just, just kind of blurs into one. But yeah, I, I, again, the subtlety of the lyrics is something I picked up on. You know, it was very subtle, the, the torture metaphors and things like that. You know, it was, you had to dig deep to find that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we'll go on to the next song there. I don't think there's a lot of subtlety in this one either. Oh, yeah, there could be subtlety in the lyrics, I guess, if you're not entirely sure what the song's about. Uh, so The Trooper. What do you think of the trooper? Uh, this is one of the songs that I knew, um, okay. and I knew it was Iron Maiden as well. I knew I knew that beforehand before this podcast. It I, I liked it. I really liked this song, but I've always liked this song. Now, not so much. <laughs> uh, honestly, this um, process of this podcast has made me look at it in a whole new light and now it's very samey to me it's not very subtle and it's become endemic of everything you've made me listen to so this is going to be the first occasion where i have removed the song from my playlist because of this podcast um so yeah 
I actually took this off of my playlist because I listened to it and thought it was boring. Um, however, uh, I do have uh, a pretty sick remix of it with uh, of a mashup with that and Beat It by Michael Jackson on my playlist. It's pretty sick, man. It, that that works pretty well. It's called Beat It Trooper, and it's great. Um, I'm going to sound like a broken record and say that this song is always played live in every show they do. I can see why. I mean, even I knew this song. Right into you like a sledgehammer. Uh, that riff straight away. Um, kind of inspired by uh, Iron Man. Uh, not Iron Man. Uh, Warpix. With Stop, Start. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, the song is about the charge of the Light Brigade at the Battle of Balaclava in 1854. Was in the uh, the Crimean War with Russia. Yes, um, it was. Have you got some more you want to talk about that? Or would you like no, a bit of a history lesson? Um, it was a miscommunication. The uh, the Light Brigade should never have been charging because they were a, they were a group of uh, soldiers, uh, infantry dug into a very defensive position, with artillery support, the Light Brigade should never have charged in that situation, but it was a miscommunication and uh, wires got crossed, and instead of the heavy cavalry charging in to break the position, the Light Brigade charged in and got torn to pieces. And uh, yeah, um, this is where field hospitals became a very big thing and where medical advancements came in. Florence Nightingale was obviously a big part of the Crimean War and this particular brigade, uh, charge uh, was one of the reasons for that because back home it was seen as an absolute travesty. The British Army would be defeated by the Russians. Yeah, I hope you've learned something there. <laughs> um, so I think... Is this the biggest example of the Iron Maiden galloping riff? I think it is. Yeah, I'm totally going to agree with that. Yeah, and I think that's why you removed it from the playlist. Yeah. Uh, as I said before, Eddie wears a red coat uniform on yep. the single cover. He's carrying face. the Union flag. Union flag. Well. Yeah. yeah. I've 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 seen that image. Yeah, it's very um, enigmatic. And and powerful image, I think. British people can get behind, do you know what I mean? I mean, considering it's a song about a battle that we lost, that's very odd. You know? That's a very weird thing to say. Yeah, patriotic. Yeah, you know we lost, right? <laughs> yeah, but we're here for England. We're always losing the football, don't we? You know, point, whatever. Yeah. We like losing. Yeah. <laughs> so, this, so you see, you didn't like long songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the next song is Two Minutes to Midnight, which... Um, about six minutes. Not yeah, that as long as some of the other ones, but... Ironic name, isn't it? What, two minutes to midnight and then last six minutes? Right, yeah. yeah. Uh, this was the first single from Power Slave, which was the next album after Peace of Mind to reach number 11 in the UK. So what was the song about? I don't know. Okay. I, I Again, I, I haven't written anything down, man. So I'd, I'd just given up by this point. And even sitting here, I'm feeling exasperated already, you know, to be honest with you. So I don't know. It's it's probably the guy that was just sitting around and he didn't know what the time was and he looked at the clock and it was two minutes to midnight and he just thought, oh, okay, there you go. That's probably what it was, you know, given the subtlety of it all. Um, I th- um, No, I'm, I'm assuming it's something to do with the Doomsday Clock, right? Yep. Yeah. That's right. Yep. Um, so I originally thought it was a song about the Omen again. 
because it goes two minutes to midnight to kill the unborn in the womb. Mm-hmm. So I thought it's under right. the omen. Okay, yeah, I but, can, yeah. I, I, I kind of now you've said that I actually feel that vibe hearing it again in my head now yeah but yeah I'm assuming it's about the uh, the um, uh, the standoff uh, between the in the Cold War right? yeah it's yeah. about the Doomsday Clock um, I won't go into the whole history of it um, but I will say <clears throat> the Doomsday Clock reached three minutes to midnight in 1984 mm-hmm was the year that song came out so that's the inspiration behind okay. it yeah although the song's called two minutes to midnight fun fact we're actually closer to it now than we have ever were during the cold war i think we're actually at uh two or one and a half minutes to midnight or something there um had you heard the song before no so this song was featured in the 2002 video game grand theft auto vice city oh really okay Along with another song we covered last week, uh, Judas Priest's uh, You've Got Another Thing Coming. Okay. I completely forgot about it. Um, but yeah, this is the f- um, probably the first time I heard this song was on that uh, game. I don't think I ever played Vice City. Oh, did you not? Okay. No. Yeah, they had um, a lot of, when you were driving along the car, they had a lot yeah, of radio stations you could play. Right. And yeah, this was one of the songs. Which came out first, Vice City or San Andreas? Oh, yeah, because it was, I went pretty much from the original Grand Theft Autos with the top-down view and everything to San Andreas, I kind of bypassed. Um, My memory isn't great, but I think, yeah, I had the original Grand Theft Auto game and then I had Vice City afterwards, I think. I don't know if I had anything in between. Grand Theft Auto 2. Then I played the Grand Theft Auto London, which again was a top-down one. It wasn't ever... There was nothing special about it. There was nothing london about it. Um, and then, yeah... Gave up on it because it got all boring and samey. And then first was pretty much the next one I played. Anyway, this isn't a a gaming channel. No. You can listen, you can tune in on YouTube uh, for that. This is one of the most famous songs. Again, I I think it's just okay. It didn't it didn't make an impre- impression on me. Like I said, mate, I'd, I'd pretty much given up by this point. Were you more given up by the sound uh, rather than the vocals? Yeah, no, the vocals were great. The guy's a great singer. I am not going to deny that at all. And he he has got a a really theatrical voice and um and definitely a class act all the way. I am not denying that at all. It was the music that was starting to bore me. It just every song just sounded exactly the same. And even though this guy has got a good voice, it it he didn't use it in special ways like. Every song seemed to be he was just doing the same thing, you know? It wasn't like I don't know. It was just everything was just so samey and the and the, the, the lack of subtlety in the lyrics was annoying me a little bit as well. And yeah. I think it's more so the the Yeah. I get it, man. Okay. But we are almost there. <laughs> uh next up is Can I Play with Madness? Yep. Uh, the first single from Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. This song reached number three in HR in 1988. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a broken record. But what's the song about? Uh, I, I that I genuinely don't know. Okay, this is probably one of the only subtle ones that I could get because I couldn't really figure out a meaning to it. About a young man who wants to learn the future from an old prophet with a crystal ball. 
Right. A scene in the video for this, which was all over Kerrang TV back in back in D, back in because D. this song lasts like three minutes. Mm-hmm. So it's one of the other main songs you can just put on. It's catchy, yeah. straight. You know, uh, you know, straight to the point. Not too heavy either. Mm-hmm. Uh, the young man thinks he's going mad and seeks the old prophet to help him cope with visions he's having. And the prophet's uh, the prophet's advice to him is ignored, and they end up uh, becoming angry with each other. That's what the song's about. Right, prophet right. not taking advice. Okay, this is where subtlety did come in then, because I didn't get that at all. But like I said, I stopped paying attention, really. So the video for this song, probably one of the most famous videos, um, it features Monty Python's Graham Chapman. Okay, who's that? I'm not a Monty Python fan. (laughs) He's in Monty Python. Right, the call. Thanks for clearing that up. (laughs) Um, It was one of his last appearances before he died from cancer in 1989. Uh, yeah, it's a short, sharp song for Iron Maiden. Get straight to the point. Number three in UK. Kind of see. I again, I think this is a song that isn't well liked of, of, upon among the heavier metal. Yeah, people. Why I liked it. <laughs> you, you did like this song. Um. Well, no. I mean, I kn- I I knew this song anyway. Um. But I didn't know this was I didn't know this was Iron Maiden. So this was one of the songs I knew, but I didn't know it was Iron Maiden. So I'd heard this before, um, and it, I, I don't know where I'd heard it before, but it was obviously one of the songs that I was like, oh, that was a pretty good song. Because when I listened to it again, I was like, oh, I remember this song. But by this point, I was so sick of everything that I just hadn't bothered, like, I didn't do anything. I'd probably go back and add it to my playlist afterwards, but by this point, I was just so done that I was just like oh yeah I know this song I better write that down and that was literally it that's literally all I wrote I know this song didn't know it was Iron Maiden <laughs> I'm gonna make this uh, about me a little bit for for well that's absolutely, absolutely fine. Fine. fine so I went to the Hard Rock Cafe in Berlin many years ago okay. with an Iron Maiden shirt on mm-hmm. and this is the song that they played on the TV specifically for you I assume so yeah I assume so oh that's his that's his Thomas he's a coincidence he's Ubermensch yeah yeah pretty much um, so as I said before I may have had 15 UK top 10 singles this one got to number 3 mm-hmm. however the next song I'm going to talk about got to number 1 Wow. And it's the only UK number one they've ever had. Reaching number one uh, on the 30th of December, 1990. Just after the Christmas one. Mm-hmm. Um, bring your daughter to the slaughter. Interesting. Absolutely epic title. Yes. What a title to a song, right? That's just that. That's that's like branding one hundred and one. That is that is an epic song title. B Y D T T S. Oh, well, right, I see. Yes. Uh, why did they get? Do to like, but... <laughs> why did they get to number one then? 
I, I'm guessing branding. Like I said, I mean, I mean, I've put down here amazing title. Yeah. Song was kind of pants. Yeah. Yeah, it's not one of my favorite. I, I kind of liked it when I got into them originally because the song, the the video was on MTV, uh, MTV Kerrang TV, a lot. He had the spooky video, right? Um, like, so I'm assuming this is like, like a, a satanic, ritually yeah, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, like images of druids and stuff mm-hmm. in the video, and Maybe yeah, torches, and torches and yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah, very. Um, um, yeah, so it's a very silly title. It's not well liked among monks fans because it's a bit pop silly. Okay. Um, it was originally recorded and released by Bruce Dickinson for the soundtrack to uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Five. Okay. But uh, Steve- film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not really. Uh, Steve Harris liked it so much that he uh, wanted him to re-record it for the the album. Right. Okay. Uh, no prayer for the dying, which is seen as the start of Maiden falling apart. Really, that whole album. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, the song, the original song by Bruce Dickinson, won a Golden Raspberry at the Razzie Awards for worst oh, original worst. song. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'd never heard the Bruce Dickinson version, but uh, that's an interesting fact. Okay. Um. Song. Whose version is this? Sorry, the one I listened to. One you listened to is the Iron Maiden version. Right. right. The one that won the the Golden Raspberry Award is Bruce Dickinson's as a solo. Yeah. Right. So, so Bruce Dickinson isn't. He's not in Iron Maiden at this point. When they. He is. So wait, he's sung it he with went, Iron Maiden. He went solo. And he's also done it as a solo he song. Went solo a bit oh yeah. But he would eventually leave Iron Maiden to concentrate on his solo career. In so he did this solo, solo yeah, yeah. and with Iron Maiden. Maiden. Yes, yes. Right. right, okay. So that's a bit confusing. Yeah, I was getting confused because I was like, right, so, so, so obviously the one I listened to was with the other singer. But then you're like, no. And then I'm like, right, so wait, hang on, wait. He released this song twice, solo and with the band. That's odd. That's weird. Yeah. Um, it is a little bit weird, yeah. Um, although you can find that version on Bruce Dickinson's Great Hits. He has a Great Hits. Yeah, oh, in case hey. you want to listen to that. Um, does it does it include the song Can I Borrow a Feeling? <laughs> no, you should do that. Can you lend me a jar of love? <laughs> I think you do well. Um, so the song was banned by the BBC. Just for the title, I'm for assuming. Yeah, because there's not really anything in this song that's like... I- don't know if that was the inspiration behind it getting to number one. Usually is, isn't it? Like, oh wow, I have to hear this song. You yeah, know? maybe. Usually, the best thing you can do for an artist, isn't it, is banning their song somewhere because everyone goes out and buys it. Yeah, I think uh, when it got to number one, like Tall the Pots, like played like a minute or two of the song and like didn't play. The- right. So they never really had the support of radio, ever really, or. Right, okay. Or anything like that. Um, the song's a bit silly. You get the... Oh. Yeah, the druidic chanting. The uh, the 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 dream team theme tune. Oh. Yeah, that's totally what I 
Yeah. And uh, you get the end, you get the coming to get you. Wow! Yeah. Right at the end. It's, it's a bit freaking silly. It's campy. It's very campy. And it is pants. It's not a great song. Uh, yeah. Uh, this song reeks of a band that is struggling. Struggling, yeah. So the yeah. first seven I made albums are considered classics. Okay. And considered the band of their best. They released this album and this song, and like the you can wheels are starting to fall off. Yeah, this is very of all the latest medical poop stuff, you know. <laughs> Um. Yeah. This this is worse than the song about Mr. T. Um. Yeah. Yeah. You can see. I mean, they. Yeah. This. This is not. It's not good at all. It's. I mean, and it's not. It's not not good for the reasons that I've already listed. It's just. It's a very. Uh, song, isn't it? You know, like okay. I'm surprised it got to number one. It's got to be the fact that it was banned. That has to be the reason because everyone goes out and buys it because that's the only way I can hear it. I I find Bruce Dickinson's vocals on this are very uh, boring, campy, and it's just it, it's just boring. He doesn't really there's there's no showing off of his skills, and it's getting close to daybreak. Like he's like too much humble pie. Like it's getting too. Uh, parody. It's almost like a parody of yeah, himself, I find. Yeah, like a weird Aaron Yankovic version. Um, yeah. So we're not quite finished with Bruce Dickinson just yet. He would go on to one more album with Iron Maiden called Fear of the Dark um, before he would leave in 93. And then we get Please coming in. Mm-hmm. Blazer. <laughs> that was Please, Bailey. Um, so yeah, Fear of the Dark. What is it? What is it? Uh, what was the other guy's name? Ripper. Oh. Ripper Owens. Oh, Geezer. Geezer. That was it, yeah. Geezer Butler. What a name. <laughs> you, these guys should all be in a band together. Geezer Butler, Blaze, um, what's it, Blaze? Blaze Bailey. Blaze Bailey. And then what was the other one? Ripper Owens. Ripper Owens. They should all start their own band and just call it the Badasses. <laughs> I'm assuming that more than one of them probably plays the same instrument, but I don't care. They're just... <laughs> yeah. If you're listening, make it happen, boys. <laughs> okay, so we're on to our last song then, Fear of the Dark. Fun. Oh, okay. You've skipped over uh, No Prayer for the Dying. Uh, no, I I just gave you that. Um, the uh, the song Bring a Door to the Slaughter is from No Prayer for the Dying. Yeah. So I didn't give you that song to listen to. Well, uh, I must have mere miscommunication. Um, I'm just going to check your message. I'm pretty sure it's listed down there. Not then I apologise and I listen to it anyway. Um, and it's quite interesting because I actually have um, comments on it. Good comments? You did. You're right. I'm sorry. I yeah. Yep, this is how little attention I was paying by this point. There you go. Even the stuff in brackets I listened to. Would you like my thoughts on this? I'm going to say no, because I didn't put it. Okay, fair enough. No problem. Put you out your misery. Okay. It's... It, um, yeah. it, um, <laughs> okay, if you want to pass over it, that's fine. But I'm telling you that... that oh, well, I put it here. I liked it. Um, but mainly because it was actually different. It just sounded different. And it also shows off his vocals a bit. 
Um, so yeah, this was <laughs> considering you didn't actually want me to listen to it. It's actually one of the few songs towards the end that I was actually like, I like it. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, and then I put, yeah, it's more okay. Uh, um, wait, 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 no, 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 no. I liked it, but mainly because it was actually different. It also shows off his vocals a bit more. Okay, and just as I'm writing this, it gets it got samey again. <laughs> so there you go. That's actually what I wrote, literally word for word. Literally as I was writing it down, okay, yeah, it just got more samey again. Disappointing. Okay, fair enough. My opinion on this song, even though... <laughs> Um, I can't remember the last time I heard it. I don't know what it sounds like. Okay. <laughs> so I've got nothing to give. It says same <laughs> So I'm, I guess, I'm guessing it's very... <laughs> um, anyway, so on to the yeah. last song. Last song, yeah. Sorry, mate. <laughs> Sorry, my fault. I apologise. Fear of the Dark from Fear of the Dark. Mm. Which um, quite surprised got to number eight in the UK. Okay. Even though the song lasts seven minutes and twenty two seconds. Before I get into the explanation of the song, what was your opinion? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna read you my word for words again. Fear of the dark. Okay, it's really good, but I'm not falling for this again. No. One minute forty three, and there it is. (laughs) Feeling. You were going to say something along those lines. Um, so it starts off quite restraint. Yeah, different. With, with, uh, yeah, different. He's going about... Which after all of the... I was like, okay, yeah, I need different. Which is why I liked, you know, um, No Prayer for the Dying. And then it got me because it turned me again. And then this one, I was like, oh, again, I'm not falling for this one again. And I was proven right. <laughs> about a man who walks alone walking a dark road road. the peace suffering my only friends fear of the dark I got a t-shirt to prove that I'm dark hearted fear of the dark Mm -hmm. a bit campy but I like the intro the rest of the song, I liked it right up until the one minute forty three mark. <laughs> yeah, and it becomes just a lot of guitar exactly solos for the six same minutes. As the past fifteen <laughs> songs you've asked me to listen to. Ah, uh, so yeah, Steve. Uh, it won't surprise you to know this song was inspired by Steve Harris being afraid of the dark. Okay. Uh, the song goes on about the fear of being watched or followed. Okay, yeah. I mean, that's an emotion that we can all relate to. Yes. Uh, this song has become a live favourite, gets played at all their shows. First time I ever heard this song, it was a live version on Kerrang. Okay. When I had the greatest hits album, there was a live version on it. So I, or I this song was like, oh, this is the live song that you have to hear from this band. Mm-hmm. And then I heard the album version. I was like, eh, quite as good as a live version. Oh, you think they do it better? Uh, live, yeah, it's more theatrical. Yeah. Yeah. And they go, Fear of the Dark. And they go to call to the crowd. And the crowd goes, Fear of the Dark. 
I don't think that, oh. I don't think it would have kept the microphone would have picked that up. I don't know. I wasn't watching. Yeah. So yes, it works better live than it does on the album. Although listening to it again, I didn't mind it too much on the album. But it's not a song I'd uh, go back to a lot. Um, uh, watching live version actually live being there was quite cool. It's like dressed up as like this guy in dark outfit you know Grim Reaper, Grim Reaper yeah man who walks alone you know um, but the problem with the song is the long drawn out guitar solos mm-hmm. better live to be fair but I, mean, yeah, I don't it think it needs to be this long I will agree with you on that one but I don't think this song in particular needs to be this long but, um, so I'm gonna assume you didn't like this song it, it, it's the exact same song that I'd heard like 12 times before by this point with just it's just different lyrics but the song is exactly the same I mean you can you know you can package spam however you want but it's still spam yeah and as I said as we go on through I made them through the years the songs get longer and more boring Right. In my opinion. Okay. A lot of people would disagree with me. I'm definitely going to, if you think that, I'm definitely going to think that. Yeah, sure. So, we will quickly... I don't need to ask you, would you check out more? Um, (laughs) Yeah, no. No, really not at all. No. In fact, like I said, this was the first time I actually removed stuff from my playlist. Um, I just put all in all really bland and boring Um, not a fan and really yeah like I said to you I just wanted to get through it I just literally just knuckled down and powered through it at the end of the day it was not an enjoyable experience yeah and I know this is probably going to kill you and eat you up inside I know but like I said from, from the stats that you read and the background that you read and the fact that they're held up in such high regard, I honestly thought, how can I dislike them this much? Because... No, but the fact that this band does seem to be for everyone, you know, that they're they're so popular and got so many top 10 hits and everyone holds them up as like one of the pillars of this is what the House of Rock was built on. It was so boring. I cannot believe that I didn't like it because on paper, this sounds like the band I should love. This should have been my most favorite episode to date, but I just was so bored. I just honestly couldn't wait to get this over and done with. Uh, and, I, and I'm so surprised by that. Uh, never mind, mate. You know, but I can, you know, at the end of the day, um, everyone has different tastes in music and it would be boring if you turn around every week and said to me well oh, I really liked every song this band mm-hmm. recorded or whatever else you know. but I just I don't know it just, it just feels to me like every time I say something like that a little piece of you inside dies a little bit <laughs> especially considering you said two of their songs were perfect on songs just on yeah but perfect songs I mean I wouldn't even say like Elvis or The Beatles did a perfect song you know there are songs that i love but i would never call it perfect but the fact that you called this song 
perfect makes me think you are a huge fan of this band and to hear me turn around and say that they're the most dullest thing i've ever heard must kill you <laughs> a little bit um so are there ever songs that i could suggest for people to check out yes yeah, other people not me, not me. Not yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm done with iron maiden to be honest with you this was basically like being put in an iron maiden I, sh- I should have given you flight of records to listen to because i think you really really like that one aces high you might have liked wasted years you might have liked these are some of the biggest hits the Wicker Man, which was the first single uh, Bruce Dickinson released from going back to the band in 2000. I would recommend all them. As I said, the first seven albums are considered classics. Um, so, you know, if you're into metal, there'll be something on those that you'll like, really. Not not you, Richard. Yeah. I'm talking more about the audience. Just because you're looking directly at me, so I thought you were talking to me. Yes. Anyway... I do have one more question to ask you before we finish. Before you ask that question, I'm just going to read my final note, if that's okay. Um, I was disappointed. This was the first episode where we had no songs about robots from space. I thought you'd keep that theme going. (laughs) Well, somewhere in time, the album has a picture of Eddie on the front dressed as a cyborg from the future. Okay. Terminator style. Okay. So that's kind of space themed. I have the Funko Pop for that. Mm. Is there a song on the album about that though? I don't remember there being one. There's a song about Alexander the Great on the album. Yeah. The one that has to do with cyborgs. Yeah. It's got nothing to do with robots from space. <laughs> no. Um. Anyway, that was my final thought on, on Iron Maiden. Yeah. <laughs> um. So... So live listen to the big three of early metal from the UK, Black Sabbath, mm-hmm. Judas Priest, and Iron Maiden. Which of the three do you prefer from what you've listened to so far? Maiden, definitely. <laughs> um, that's tough because I, I knew a lot about Sabbath anyway. So that was something... Um, so I would probably say Sabbath is my favourite, but Judas Priest was a pleasant surprise, and I was genuinely surprised about some of the songs that I heard that I genuinely really liked. So I'm pleasantly pleased by that one, and will be happy to check more of them out. So that one's good. I'm going to say Sabbath is obviously the favourite, but that's because I knew a lot of Sabbath stuff anyway. Um, so it's kind of hard to disregard that part of it already, but yeah, Judas Priest was a very pleasant surprise. I was very, I was very pleased with that. Happy with how much you enjoyed. I did, yeah. That the the songs Turbo Lover in particular, and uh, oh, that was a great uh, song. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Um, I think with Priest. There was a lot more variety with the I gave you, maybe. Yeah, the, the, I, at no point did I feel they were very samey. They obviously had, like, the mid-album lull. Like I said last week, there was there was definitely a mid-album where it kind of dipped down and it was a bit like, eh, it's not so great. But, but then, you know, it picked up again towards the end. Not at any point did I think, this is the exact same song I've heard 10 times already. Whereas with 
maiden this week that was constantly the thought going through my head is like you're doing like i said there was two songs where just because they were slightly different at the start i was like oh this might be a bit different but then it just went exactly into the same thing again what was your favorite song from iron maiden (gasps) that's a you know what i would have probably said initially trooper but the fact that I took it off of my playlist because it just made it seem so exactly the same as everything else. Uh, you know what? It's probably going to have to be Can I Play? Uh, just because it was one I'd heard before. Maybe Invaders? That was pretty good. But then that was... <laughs> that's... <laughs> That's not a very fair representation because I was into it and that was the very first song I heard. So it was very much like a, yeah, this is good. But then if I listen to it again now, am I going to turn around and go, that sounds exactly the same as all the other songs. Now, if I go back and listen to it again, would I turn around and say, this is the exact same song? I'm going to say, can I play with madness? But it's that, 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 but to be honest with you, mate, that's like saying, you know, would you rather be kicked in the teeth or you know poked in the eye you know it's kind of like well if i have to have one then you know i'd rather go home and have a cup of tea but you know if that's not an option then yeah hey and that concludes episode three iron maiden iron maiden yeah have you like to pronounce um, yeah, so probably thank- our most controversial. I think so so far. Yes, I think so. Although we did gush over Turbo Lover last week, so I don't know. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was episode three. Iron Maiden, and uh, join us again for episode four next week, which I really hope Richard will enjoy more. I think he will, but we'll see. Uh, so for myself and from Richard. I'm not going to thank you this week because this was torture. Okay, that's fine. Don't worry. Uh, Yeah, rock on. Thanks for listening. This has been a Rich Tea Entertainment production. If you have enjoyed what you've heard, then why not check out some of our other shows? Just search for Rich Tea Entertainment on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or Google Play.